Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, I wanted to continue uh, Pastor Ed's series, Learning to Love. Uh, but I wanted to preach a message to you today. Uh, I, would, I would title, The Lens of Love. The Lens of Love. You know, uh, a, number of, uh, a number of years ago, when I first moved to the Sunshine Coast, uh, we were holding our church meetings in a school hall. And uh, this particular school hall invited me to speak at their uh, kind of school Christmas carols event. And it was a great opportunity to, to outreach into the community. Uh, but I'm the kind of person uh, who, uh, you know, will often, you know, rely on my notes or look at my iPhone or my, my iPad. And uh, do I have anyone else who is just really shocking at repairing broken iPhone or iPad screens? Anyone here? Yeah, I, I sometimes try, well, I used to try and see how long I could leave the iPad uh, before repairing it, right? <laughs> and so... Uh, I rock up to this event with my broken iPad and I was invited to speak and the principal came up to me and he gave me nine minutes to share the nativity story. I said, okay, I can do that. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I, I got, my, got out my iPad and I was preparing and he said to me, just before I went up there, just hold on a minute, there's rain coming in. You need to somehow turn this a nine-minute story into a three-minute story because the parents aren't interested in hearing you. They're here to hear their kids sing. I go, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, <laughs> and so I pulled out my iPad and I started reading the nativity story. And I'm pulling out sections of it as I'm reading and I'm rushing through a nine-minute story in three minutes and I get to the part of the story and looking through this broken iPad screen uh, where it said that the soldiers uh, at census time nailed the census notice uh, on a post and somehow in the middle of communicating to 3,000 people, students, kids running around everywhere like crazy, they weren't listening, uh, you know, parents talking to one another, somehow I managed to say the soldiers took their nails and nailed Mary to the cross. <laughs> and it, it was like it, it, the kids stopped running, uh, the parents dropped their drinks and looked at me. Uh, the principal looked at me and, and I think he was thinking, I, I know you're not Catholic, but that's pretty hard on Mary uh, right there. Uh, so I, I very quickly uh, skimmed to the end and said, you know, Mary gave birth to Santa and the end. Uh, I just got out of there as quickly as I possibly could uh, because I was looking through a broken screen, a broken lens. And the reality is that so often uh, in life, people have a broken lens. They have a broken lens. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, I think it is, verse 18 says this. I'll just open up my uh, lens, uh, my screen with a clear lens, and let me read it to you right here. It says uh, this, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. In other words, 
in order for you to live a full life that God has designed for you, you need to have clear heart eyes. Yet the eyes of your heart need to be enlightened. How many people know that there are so many people in this world today whose heart eyes are broken? They're corrupted. They're clouded. They're clouded by guilt and shame and sin. And so they can't see clearly. And so uh, we understand that God came, I believe, to clear up some things for us. He came to clear up our vision. He came to give us a fresh perspective of, of who we are and who he is. You know, I believe that Jesus came to give us a new set of eyes, a new, a new lens with which to see God and a new lens with which to see other people. You know that every interaction that you have, with another person, every thought that you have about yourself, even the way in which uh, you know you interact with your family and your spouse, is shaped through that lens. Yeah. And you know the way in which you see God will determine the way in which you entreat other people and treat yourself. Your lens of God shapes so much of your life. Amen. And so, um, and so we kind of get to this place where Jesus came to reshape our lens uh, you know i love what jesus said he said if you've seen me you've seen who the father, the father. if you i love that think about that for a second if you've seen me you've seen god the father amazing thought i, I believe that because of because of jesus for us to truly know god for him, for us to be able to see god clearly Without the distortion of fear, without the distortion of shame, without the distortion of guilt, we must see and understand who the Father is through the person of Jesus Christ. He came to change our lens. You know, God is like Jesus. He's always been like Jesus. There has never been a time where God was not like Jesus. We've not always known what God is really like, but... Because Jesus came in the flesh and then sent the Holy Spirit, we can now see God clearly. And so many people get this mixed perspective of God. They view him through the lens of fear, not his perfect love. And so often we do this in our Christianity, don't we? We take a little bit of of the, you know, we, we take a little bit of that punitive, angry God and we mix it in with the loving God and we miss the beauty of the cross where Jesus took the full weight of God's wrath upon himself so that we could be reconciled to the Father. God gave two-thirds of himself so that we could see him clearly and so that we could understand who he was. Think about that. He gave Jesus, the Father sent Jesus, and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And who is God? Who is God? God is, God is love. That's who he is. This is how we know what love is, the Bible says. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. <laughs> Talking about love at the moment, and I think so often people have a corrupted understanding of love in this world, don't they? They, they mix it up. They get it around the wrong way. But we understand that that. The only way in which we can interpret and understand love is through who? Jesus Christ. This is how we know what love is. You know, and if God is love, then the only one that could show us what love looks like is God himself, which is why Jesus came. You know, 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love 
does not know God because God is love. Isn't that an amazing scripture? Whoever does not love doesn't know God because God is love. We're going to take a look at one of Jesus' closest friends this morning. And we're going to take a look at uh, a man by the name of, of John. And I love John. In fact, he, you know, everyone has their favorite person in the Bible. John will be one of my favorite people in the Bible. You know, John gave himself this title, the disciple who Jesus loved. I love that. I love the audacity of that claim. Did you know that John writes his gospel? I don't know if many people knew this, but he wrote this gospel some 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And I find it interesting that Ed had that word for some people today because John wrote his greatest work when he was about 80 years old. So don't ever think that if you're over 40 or 50 or whatever, that you're somehow irrelevant. John wrote the most relevant pieces of his work when he was 80 years old. And so I want to, I want to kind of read through some, some chunks of John today and I want us to read it with this uh, picture in our head of this old 80-year-old man, looking cl uh, close to 80 years old, looking back over his life. His whole life shaped by this three-year encounter he had with God incarnate. This three-year encounter that he had with this person called Jesus Christ. Looking back at a life that had seen Jesus' death, his resurrection, the explosion of the church, all of his friends had somehow, through various means, been killed and murdered for their faith. And here he is, the last man standing, sitting there giving his account of what took place, his account of the gospel, and sitting down with his, I just imagine him there with his parchment and candlelight, with tears streaming down his eyes, and beginning to write his story of what took place when Jesus came. And he begins and writes, well, I first met Jesus. And he thinks, no, no, that's not right. No, I, I need to go back a little bit further. <laughs> Let's go back to the genealogy of Jesus. No, Matt and Luke did that. They, they did that. Those guys covered that one. I know. In the beginning was... Hold on. In the beginning, God said, let there... No. No, I need to go back further. I, I need to go back further. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't this amazing? John, at the end of his life, as an 80-year-old man, begins with Jesus as the author of all things. As if reinterpreting Genesis with Jesus right in the middle. You know, I believe that the lens of love... See, he encountered the love of God. He encountered love incarnate and it opened his eyes to this love story that began so many years before that. You know, the Bible only makes sense through the lens of God's love demonstrated in Jesus Christ. If you try and read the Bible and take Jesus out of it, it doesn't make any sense. But when you read it through the lens of the finished work of Jesus, the word comes alive. Amen. It comes alive. And unlike all the other Gospels, I love John. So he begins with this kind of picture of God's love. And, and I love the way he ends it because he, he writes at the end, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that would be written. It's like John decided, you know what? 
I'm going to leave this story unfinished. It's like those Netflix series that just, hey, you think it's going to end, but there's just another twist. And then you watch the next show, and before you know it, you get to the end of the series, and there's so many different things that have happened. There's so many, so many nuances to the story. And I feel like John is writing this and putting down a qualifying statement at the end of his letter saying, whoever reads this gospel account, please know that I cannot box up the love of God that I encountered. It's, it's deeper, it's wider, it's higher, it's larger than I can explain. For me to try and box it up into this thing called John's theological position on the love of God is, would be insulting to the love that I encountered and experienced in Jesus Christ. You see, John didn't know about love. John knew love intimately. He experienced the love of God in such a deep and profound way. He knew Jesus as a friend closer than a brother. And so this 80-year-old man writing his account of what took place some 60 years ago uh, begins to write his gospel. And I love it. He writes his way through the gospel and he gets to this part of the story which is called the Last Supper. And he writes, Then Jesus was moved deeply in his spirit. Looking at his disciples, he announced, I tell you the truth, one of you is about to betray me. Eyeing one another, his disciples puzzled over which one of them could say such a thing. I was at the right hand of... No, that's not right. I wasn't at the right hand of Jesus. No, John was at the right hand of Jesus. Now, that doesn't sound right either. I wonder if the other guys would mind. Oh, that's right, they're not here anymore. <laughs> I wonder if they care. Yeah. I'm the last man standing. I might as well, well write it the way I saw it. The disciple who Jesus loved was at the right hand of him at the table and was leaning his head on Jesus. Yeah, I reckon that's good. I reckon that works for me. The disciple who Jesus loved. You know, Peter gestured to the disciple to ask Jesus who it was that he was referring to. Then the dearly loved disciple, yeah, that's really growing on me right now. I can imagine thinking, yeah, I'm going to use this. This is who I am. Leaned into Jesus and whispered, Master, who is it? The one I give the piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl, Jesus replied. Then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. You know, in this moment, I love this. Jesus reveals secrets to John that Peter was unable to hear because of John's proximity to Jesus. Think about that for a moment. John had proximity, and so John knew what was about to take place, but Peter had to ask John to find out what was taking place. It was John's revelation of Jesus, I believe, that that caused him to lean into him at this moment. It was his understanding of his love for him that caused him to lean his head on Jesus' chest. And, and it was this intimacy that came out of a revelation of his love for him that caused him to gain insight into events that others missed. I wonder if in the middle of things that you go through, if you're a Peter or you're a John, if you feel like you need to ask somebody who you think is closer to Jesus to speak into the events and circumstances of your life. You know, I, I, I'm a believer that God speaks to people. Amen? He doesn't speak 
through intermediaries. He doesn't need pastors or priests to speak to people. Of course, he does speak through pastors. Hopefully, he's speaking to you right now. Uh, but but he, he can speak to you directly. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And so often, we have this... this this fear that shifts in our hearts and this insecurity that comes in our Christian faith where we begin to believe that somehow God loves to speak to Pastor Ed or God loves to speak to Pastor Josh or Pastor Brian, but he doesn't like to speak to me. And that's, there could be nothing further from the truth. God wants to speak to you. But in order for you to hear him, he needs you to see him through the lens of his love because you're not going to approach in intimacy with the Father, in intimacy with Jesus, if you're afraid, you're going to be like Adam and hide. But faith and love causes us to lean in. And I believe that God wants to give you direction for your life. And the way in which he does that is through, yes, speaking through other people, but so often it's through that still small voice that he wants to speak to you today. The lens of love causes you to lean into the heart of Jesus and hear it yourself so back to John he continues to write and he enjoys this new title that he's given himself he thinks this is, this is pretty good uh, and so he smiles and he continues to write and he knowing that he's the only guy that was there uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus out of all the others weren't there he gets to this part of the story and uh, begins to write his gospel account of that moment where Jesus was crucified and so he says Mary Jesus' mother was standing next to his cross, along with Mary's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Man, there's a lot of Marys there right there, hey? Four Marys and a, and, and a John. Uh, so when Jesus looked down, and I love this, and he saw the disciple that he loved standing, he said, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. Then he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. Think about this. All of the other disciples at this point had bailed on Jesus, except for John. John was there. And we read this story understanding that Peter had denied him three times just a few uh, hours earlier. The one who had boasted in his own faithfulness towards God had failed. Yet here we have the disciple who never boasted in his faithfulness towards Jesus, but boasted in God's love towards him, standing there being faithful to Jesus and his family at the moment when Jesus needed him the most. You know, I believe that the lens of love causes you to be faithful to Jesus and his family. Peter promised faithfulness, but John was faithful because he trusted in the love that Jesus had towards him. You know, I, I feel like sometimes in church we can strive and push so hard to be faithful to Jesus in our church and we, we push ourselves sometimes to burn out and, and, we, and we fall down and grow weary because we don't want to let Jesus down. But hear me here, Peter's desire wasn't wrong but his lens wasn't clear. John, in his service, was focused on Jesus' love for him. Peter, in his service, was focused on his love for Jesus. You know, I believe that we should love God with all of our, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. But the reality is you can't give what you don't have. 
And so often we find ourselves like Martha serving and serving when we sometimes need to sit and receive the love so that we actually have something to give. God wants you to give you some love to give. And you know, you will be faithful as you position yourself and meditate on his love for you. Guess what? That's what love people do. When you're loved, of course you want to serve. Of course you want to give. Of course you want to be generous. Of course you want to overflow with the love that you've received. But if you get it around the wrong way and you make it about your love for him and not his love for you, then you'll burn yourself out and you'll find yourself exhausted and weary and in that place of dead works instead of that life-giving flow of his grace and his spirit, which comes by positioning yourself in his love. I believe God wants to make some people faithful. And that comes through meditating on his love. Back to John as we land this, mo- this morning. And John's kind of running out of parchment here, I reckon. And he's getting to the end of his story. And, and uh, maybe that's why he just decided to wrap it up. <laughs> but, but the candle's running out of wax. And he gets to that part of the story where Jesus breaks open the tomb. And, and, I, and I can just imagine this, this kind of cheeky glint in this 80-year-old's eye as he's writing this part of the story. This is, my fa- this is probably one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Uh, so it's, the, it's a part where, where early Sunday morning, we just saw it last week before sunrise, and Mary Magdalene had made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, don't forget, this is John writing here, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go to tell Peter and the other disciple. The one Jesus loved. She told them they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. And I love this. This is it. Verse 3. Then Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to go see for themselves. Verse 4. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. There is no logical reason. There's no, this is not, this is, I love this. John's just like, you know what? I want to be historically accurate here. (laughs) At this point, it wasn't about anything else, but just a little chance for him to boast. And I love this. You know, he wants to be be accurate. Poor old Peter again, beaten by the disciple who Jesus loved. And I don't want to stretch the point too far today to pull a sermon illustration, a point out of this right now. But I believe the lens of love frees your feet to run. Just think about this. John's last encounter with Jesus was, was Jesus saying, you know what? You've been faithful. Take care of my mom. Peter's last encounter with Jesus was one where, where Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me when the rooster crows three times. I wonder if when they were running to the grave, to the empty tomb, whether Peter had this nagging rooster crowing in the back of his head that slowed him down a little bit. The guilt and the shame and maybe the, the, the journey, the disappointment had set in because he placed all of his, of his faith in his ability to be faithful to Jesus instead of Jesus' ability to be faithful towards him. You know, it's God's faithfulness towards us that sustains us, not our faithfulness towards him. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. And, and when you... I reckon Peter was weighed down with the shame of failure. And, and I wonder if, you, if you've ever felt like this in your race. Like you're moving at a slower pace. 
like things are dragging a little bit, like things are weighing you down a little bit in your faith walk, in your spiritual life. I just believe that Jesus wants to set your feet free to run. The reality is he set Peter up again. He, he restored Peter, and Peter was the one uh, who stood up on the day of Pentecost and proclaimed with boldness uh, what God had done. And so God didn't write off the Peter, but God brought Peter back to that place where he understood it wasn't about his love for Jesus. It was about Jesus' love for him. Come on, I believe Jesus wants to set our, free, our feet free to run. Ben, you can join me on the stage if, if you'd like. But, you know, my, my testimony is, is a little bit like this. I was a Peter. I grew up in a Christian family. My dad was a pastor. Uh, my, uh, my family were Christian. But we went through some challenges in my teen years. Uh, but I, I kind of hit my teen years. And I had this understanding of God that was, that was messed up. I, I, could, I can't put it any better way. It was messed up. I had a corrupted lens on I didn't see or understand or know the love of God well. And so every time, this is just true, every time there was a lightning storm, I would cower under the blankets as an 18-year-old boy, terrified that it was the judgment of God towards me. I would sit there sometimes and, and you know, my parents would be late coming home. And, and I, I believed that I was left behind. You know, it's, it's so, it sounds so crazy because, you know, all those kids who grew up in the 80s, I was one of them, right? Please don't ever play those movies again. Um, but honestly, I believed as a, as a teenage kid that I'd let God down. That I tried to do the Christian thing and, and I just let him down. And, and I'd wake up in the morning sometimes in the house and him like, I wasn't faithful enough to Jesus. That sounds crazy, just looking back. That as an 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid, this was so real to me. So I just decided, you know what? I can't do this Christian thing. It's, it's just too flipping hard. So I'm just going to go and do whatever, whatever else everyone else is doing. And so I began to drink, and I became an alcoholic. I became addicted to some stuff. Got to that point where i just thrown away so much of my faith as a young person. I remember one day sitting in a gutter after a party. He was actually here at Mahula Bar. I don't, know, I don't know where I was. I don't know what happened, but I remember waking up uh, and sitting in the gutter there just so ashamed, so, so filled with guilt because of the way I'd lived my life, knowing that there was something real about the faith that I professed, but I just couldn't live up to God's standard. I just felt the voice of God in that moment just speak to me so clearly so clearly and he just said to me son you can spend the rest of your life in that gutter and I'm still going to love you but you're born for more than a gutter and I just broke I just broke I just knew man God loves me at my worst you know the Bible says whilst you were still sinners he died for you he loved you on your worst day. His love for you is unfailing. It's unfailing. It's, it just doesn't move. It's immovable. You see, we, when you set your eyes and, your, and you're focusing your attention on your love for God, you're focusing on something that moves. 
the reality is we wake up one morning and, our, and, and we feel like we're super Christian and the next morning we, we wake up and we've made some mistakes and we feel like we're a failure and we live this inconsistent up and down yo-yo Christian life but when we fix our eyes on that which is secure, on that which is firm, His love for us, what happens inside of us is there is a consistency to our faith that develops and changes us and we become faithful. The reality is... I didn't go through a program to get free from stuff. Jesus set me free as I focused on Him. I didn't sort myself out. I just focused on His love for me and things dropped off my life. It's not that complicated, the Christian faith. But when we don't have that lens on, we make it complicated, right? When we, when we put that lens of fear on and we make it about us, and we get introspective and we pull ourselves to pieces and beat ourselves up, we find ourselves in that place of guilt and condemnation. Jesus came to set you free from that today, friend. And if you're in this place today and you have yet to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, I would just love to pray for you today. Maybe you're in this place today and you've lived one of those Christian lives where you've done your best, you've tried your heart out, you've pushed with all your might, you've been a Peter, but you feel like you've dropped the ball. You feel like you've, you've let Jesus down. I want to pray for you today that you would receive a fresh revelation of, of Jesus' love for you. That you'd be the kind of person to say, you know what? I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. I'm, I just live with a revelation that I am the disciple who Jesus loved. Can you close your eyes this morning and bow your heads? And just with no one looking around, I want to pray two prayers. I want to pray a prayer. For those who are in this meeting today who have yet to place their faith in Jesus. And then I'd love to pray for those who are in this place today who have maybe placed their faith in Jesus but taken their eyes off His love for them. Firstly, if you're in this meeting today and you've yet to say, you know what, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to experience the love of God. I want to turn away from living a life on my own and turn towards Him and experience the fullness of His love towards me. If you're in this place today and that's you, I would love to pray a prayer. We're going to pray a prayer as a church together. But if that's you and you're in this meeting today, can you just put up your hand so I know? Yeah, good on you. Good on you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just want to pray that prayer for the first time. We've got one person. Anybody else? I'm going to join them here today. today and you just need an encounter with the love of God. Yeah, good on you. Can we pray this prayer together? Father in heaven, and if you're watching online, you can join us as well. Pray this prayer with us. Father in heaven, I thank you that you love me. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I receive the free gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sin. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to lead me, to guide me into all truth. I thank you that my past is forgiven. I thank you that my present is secure and that my future is filled with hope because you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, why don't we just...
congratulate those people who prayed that prayer for the first time. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time uh, and you're in this meeting, maybe you're watching online, I want to encourage you to connect in with Pastors Ed and Gail and the team here at City Church. Uh, we, want to, we want to walk with you. The church wants to walk with you and encourage you in your faith today. Can we stand? And I just want to pray for the church today. I want to pray for just a revelation, a, a lens reset, a, a, a clearing out of that lens. Father, I just come right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for your love for these people. I thank you that you have a heart for people, Lord. You love this church. You birthed this church. You created this church. And Lord, it's your love uh, that is going to sustain and build the kingdom of God here on the Sunshine Coast. And so I thank you, Father, for just a release of your love, a release of the revelation of the love of Jesus Christ over every person right now. We position ourselves to receive the abundant love that you have for us. We welcome you, Jesus. We see Jesus and what he's done for us. We don't look to us. We look to you, Jesus. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fact that you fulfilled that which we could not on our behalf so that we could stand righteous by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your love in this place this morning. And we welcome you. We welcome you to lead us. We welcome you to set our feet free so we can run. We welcome you to lead us to be faithful in all areas. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.